Amen. Well, good morning. We are going to ask you to get on your thinking hats and then uh, ask you to listen with your heart today because the information that we're going to talk about cannot be understood in the brain. It has to go deep into the heart and I think it will challenge you. It challenged me. It still is challenging me. But we're going to be looking uh, as we conclude here with the miracles that Jesus did when he was here to testify uh, who he was, where he came from. And if you'll see a progression in the miracles as we started way back in the beginning, we looked at how the miracles began to progress. Now that does not mean that any miracle was less important than any other miracle. Because to God it is just a breath. And everything is easy, he speaks a word, it's accomplished. But we looked at the water that became wine and they were amazed. Uh, and we talked about how that happened and how it took place. And uh, then after that, we, we progressed a little bit to a man having a son that was dying. We don't know uh, what he had, what virus or anything that he had, but his son was dying and Jesus spoke forth and he was healed from that very moment that he spoke, spoke forth. He did not die, he prevented death. We then moved on to uh, a man that was 38 years with a sickness. They said a disease, uh, not detail what that was, but 38 years. Now we're stepping into, uh, this is getting more and more complicated because now we have 38 years of history. He speaks forth and the man is healed. Uh, we then go into the providing bread and the miracle of bread. And, and then we go on and the fact that, as Ben said, when he walked on the water, we don't know if God in his uh, unique uh, will changed the molecules of the water so that we could walk on it, uh, or did he change the atmosphere where gravity was not there? We don't know. We just know that when people saw it, they became greatly afraid and said, what manner of God is this? He calmed the storms. Uh, and then we saw last week uh, that he took a man born blind. Obviously, this was huge to the people, a man born blind, because it said never in the history of mankind has anything like this ever happened. Born blind and then could see. And now we step into Lazarus. Dead four days, and he speaks forth life. Now, you may be saying what I started to say when I got this is, well, we, we've come all the way down, and now we've hit the whole apex, is that he is now Lord over death and life. And while I was looking at this, I happened to be reading uh, at the book of Job, and there is a portion of Scripture that the author, anointed by God, declares uh, about Job, or I mean about God. And, and it, it humbled me to read it, and I want to read you just a portion of it. And he says this, Oh, the greatness of our God. He stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on... Isn't that interesting? Hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps the waters in his clouds, and the clouds don't burst under them. He obscures the face of the full moon and spreads his clouds over it. He has inscribed a circle on the surface of the waters. 
and at the boundary of light and darkness, the pillars of heaven tremble. He quiets the sea with his power at his word. By his breath, the heavens are cleared, and even his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. But behold, these are only on the fringes of the power of our God. These only are on the outskirts of our God. And then the next thing says, and yet we barely hear a whisper of his name. The last thing says this, what would happen if he decided to really speak? I don't know if that does to you what it did to me. I literally fell on my knee. That's not what happened, but I, <laughs> I got down. said, we don't know the half of it. And I want you to grab this for this reason. When the miracles were done, the seven miracles, please don't let your physical eyes get stuck on the miracles. You will miss the whole purpose of the canon of scriptures from beginning to end. As Ben said, it is about Jesus Christ. Do you know that the Jews and the Pharisees, they believed the miracles. They couldn't help it. They saw them. You know, they'd like to deny it. As a matter of fact, many of them said we wouldn't speak about it because we like the praises of the men rather than God. But they believed in the miracles. So when he says all the way through what we're going to read today and all the way through, do you believe? It wasn't do you believe that he did the miracles. He knew they believed that. He saw them do it. He, there was something bigger, deeper, underneath the surface of our understanding that he wants you and me to grasp. There's something deeper that he's saying, do you believe? As we read here, anybody, do we have a, the verses yet or yet? Oh, we do. Awesome. A new American standard? All right, we'll, we'll give it a shot. I tried to do something the first service, but uh, I had not let him know what we were going to do, so I cannot blame it on him. <laughs> we're going to read the scriptures, and then what I would like to do is I'm going to read out loud uh, the portions of scriptures, and then I am going to ask you when we come to a scripture that Jesus is saying, I want you to join me and read out loud with me. Now, there are a lot of times that you have seen Ben and my son Nick always will have you stand for the holiness of reading the scriptures. We have a long, long verse. We won't ask you to do that. Uh, but I do want you to know that when we ask you to stand, if I went ahead and said, okay, I pledge allegiance to the flag, everybody stands up to show honor to our country, to show honor to America. We have something here way bigger than our country. So... To stand is just to tell honor to God that, God, you deserve everything, whether we stand or fall on our face. So we're going to go ahead, and I'm going to read this, starting with uh, John 11. And, and then when I go ahead and tell you, I want you to read with me, because hidden in Jesus' words are some secret nuggets that are neath, underneath the service that he has allowed his people to see. It says in John 10, that my sheep will understand my voice. Those that don't understand will not because they're not my sheep. But my sheep will understand my voice, and they will hear me. 
And when another voice comes that's not mine, they won't obey. That you and I that have responded to his call upon our life, we can actually hear underneath the surface of the story, and I want you to see where those lie, and they lie in the words of Jesus as we look here. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha, and it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet her, with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The sister therefore sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Jesus heard it, he said, join me and read out loud. This sickness is not to death, but for the glory of God, that God's Son may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed there two days longer in the place where he was. And then after he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. You're going to there again? And Jesus answered, join me, are there hours of the daylight? If a man walks in that day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this. <clears throat> World. <laughs> I'm trying to not read from my version here, and I think I'm just going to have to stick here and, and do this, okay? Then he said, after this, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may awaken him of his sleep. And the disciples therefore said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. And Jesus uh, therefore said to them plainly, join me, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe but let us go to him. Thomas, therefore, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. And now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. And Martha, therefore, when she heard Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary still sat at the house. Martha therefore said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, join me. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me he shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And when she had said this, she went away and called Mary her sister, secretly saying, The teacher's here, and it's calling for you. And when she heard it, she arose quickly, coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. The Jews, then, who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him, and she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, 
he was deeply moved in his spirit and was troubled deeply and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, behold, how he loved him. But some of them could not this said, could not this man open the eyes of the, who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Jesus, therefore, again being moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was in a cave, and a stone was lying there. And Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of Jesus, said to him, Lord, by this time there's going to be a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said, did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you hear me, and I knew that you hear me always. But because of the people standing around, I said it, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. Many, therefore, of the Jews who had come uh, to Mary and beheld what he had done believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told the things which Jesus had done. Now, did you catch something in reading this? And we can go back here, and if you'll just kind of bear with me a little bit, I'm going to go back uh, into John 5, and I'm just going to start John 5, 6, 7, 8. I'm just going to read little teeny portions that you will try to catch. What was it that he was saying, do you believe? For just as a father has life in himself, even so he gave the son also to have this authority in himself. But the witness which I have is greater than that of John, for the works which the Father have given me to accomplish, the very works that I do, they bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. How can you believe when you receive uh, glory from one another and do not seek the glory that is from the one only God? For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last days. You will understand the teaching that it is from God or whether it is from myself. And you will see that I have been sent from God. Okay, I want you to, to see something here. And this is really, really crucial. It wasn't that they would just believe in him. That we will see when he said, would you just believe in me? That you will believe that I did these miracles. That you will believe what I've just told you. What he said is he went on and he prayed to the Father and he says, Father, I know you hear me. When I talk to you, I understand you hear me. But I say these words out loud for their sake that they may hear and understand that I came from you and they will believe that you sent me. As we go on after this verse all the way into uh, the rest of the John 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and then we conclude in 17, you're going to see over and over and over again something that he is saying, do you believe? This is what I want to know. The glory that I want to reveal to you, manifested to you, is this. I want you to believe I came from the Father. I and the Father are one. He inhabits me in the same like manner that I inhabit him. You see me, you see the Father. This is what he wants them to believe. This is what he wanted you to believe. 
He wants you to believe not that he rose these people from the dead and he did the water and the wine and the food and healed the people. You can go ahead and say, well, I think I believe that it does nothing without going deeper in the reasons they were manifested was to bring glory to God. Remember last week when Ben said, uh, it wasn't that this man sinned or his parents sinned. It was to bring manifestation or glory to God. He says, it's good that I don't go because if I don't go, I won't be able to bring glory. The word glory is an interesting word. It's the word weight. We get, we get it from like when we have diamonds on your finger. You wear diamonds, you girls, and, and there's a big deal about diamonds, and especially if you got bigger diamonds. You know, oh, let me see your stone. Oh, an eighth of a carat. Mine's three, three carats. And the, what they're saying is, the weight of my carrot shows you how valuable I am. That's the word glory. That's where we got it. It's the weight of something. It's the value you put on something. You see what he's saying is it's not that these miracles were done. The glory that you're going to see, the weight of who I am is I'm God. The one that told the earth to be hung on nothing. That's my weight. That's my glory. Do you get this he's saying to them? And it said, yet many of them didn't understand. And then in John 16, at the end of his demonstration of the whole evening before he was crucified, a couple of the disciples said, I think we get it. You came from God. And he says, now that they understand I came from God, my my." Work on earth is finished. It's now time to glorify the Son and glorify the Father. So then he goes into his high priestly prayer, and he says, These things Jesus spoke and lifted his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour now has come to glorify the Son, that the Son may glorify you. Even as you gave me authority over all mankind, that to all whom you have given me, that you gave, that I may have eternal life. And this is eternal life. That they may know you. Whom the true God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. Now I want you to pause there for a minute because this is where we're going to stay for a while. All the way back to John uh, 10, all the way back to John 5, you'll see that the sheep... Uh, would hear his voice. He's talking about the conclusion of knowing and believing me is that I might give you eternal life. Now this word life is not what we call breath. The word is zoe. It is the very presence and glory of God that I may give you the presence of God, that I may give you that purpose of why I did the miracles, of why I came down here, was to draw you to myself to give you eternal life. And this is eternal life that you know him. That word is an incredible, personable word. In the Greek language, it says to have experientially known somebody at the most intimate level you can. We use the word intercourse, but it's way deeper than the physical coming together. It's deeper. It's that you may know him and know who he is and be known by him. This is the purpose of raising Lazarus. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he was basically saying this, I have authority over death and life. 
Remember when he went in John 9 and he says, nobody takes my life from you. I give it up willingly. I lay it down. I pick it up. Even on the cross, when he hung on the cross and people said, how did he die? He was crucified. No, he did not die from being crucified. He died. He gave up his heart. He gave up for you and me everything that you and I would do against him from the day that we were born till the end. We helped him die. He took upon himself, and it said, what did he die from? He died from a broken heart. That's why the water and the blood came pouring out together, is that when the, the sack of water that surrounds the heart, when the heart explodes during a kind of pressure, the water and the heart and the blood mix together, and therefore he basically said, I gave up my life. You did not take it from me. Remember when Pilate said, you, you know, talk to us. We're trying to get you to talk. Don't you know I have the power? He said, you don't have any power but what the Father tells you from above. And now he's saying to Lazarus, he's dead. He said, nope, speaks the word and he's alive. But he says, for you sheep, understand why Lazarus, Lazarus was raised from the dead. Not that you would understand I can raise physical life, although I can. I'm going to speak something way deeper than you. I'm going to speak of Zoe, a life that the world does not understand. I'm going to give you living life, spiritual life. And then I'm going to raise myself from the grave. And then I'm going to go ahead and come and with that life penetrate and live inside you, putting God in man the way he was intended to be. Do you realize this is the climax, the apex of all of those miracles from the laying out the stars and the expanse of the universe and then numbering the stars? He's saying, that doesn't impress you like this. And the angels, when it says the angels looked on in in total bafflement and what would amaze them the most is that they said they looked at this and they could not comprehend God was going to live inside man and have a relationship with him that's what all of this miracles is about and let me conclude with a story when I was preparing for this I had no idea where this would land I was on my my daily journeys that I always go on, and those of you that know me well enough, like I've told you numerous times in here, confession is good for your soul, but it's not very good for your reputation. Uh, I'm driving along, and I have a tendency to be compulsive. I have a tendency to not like to wait in lines. I have a tendency when I'm driving down the road and I see two lines, and one of them has seven cars, one has one, I'm heading for the one. But let me warn you, if you ever see me in the grocery store, don't pick any line I choose. Because no matter what happens, the blinking light goes on and I wait. So I'm headed to work, and I see a train coming. And I'm thinking, I can beat this thing. <laughs> and a voice, and, and listen, when I say a voice of God, please don't hear me saying, Bill. Okay? It just sounds like your voice. But it's consistent with the word of God, so I'm believing that God's speaking to me. He says, why? Why? Are you always 
in a hurry to avoid me. To avoid me? To avoid you what? And two or three movies came into my mind just like this. And the movie scene, all three of them were literally like this. There was a, a couple uh, that a guy and a, and a gal, they didn't know each other, but they ended up meeting in Paris. And when they were in Paris doing their work, they began to talk to each other. The more time they spent with each other, the more they f just fell for each other. They were twitter-pated with one another. They literally, every second, was sucking out every moment they could get from each other. And the movie just almost became pathetic. And it just like, no matter what, they needed to be together. And, and then what happened is when they went to the airport to say goodbye, they saw that there was a snowstorm in Minneapolis and they could not leave, so the plane got delayed. And they were so giddy and happy that they could have a little more time together. And God said, do you not know that all of those delays in your life I set up so we could be together? Just that much more time. Why do you run from me? And I pondered that. And I said, you mean every one of these delays when they even forget their billfold in the line and have to go to the car? Absolutely. I'm just wanting to hang with you. I mean, I just could not embrace that. And I had to ask the question, and what came across to me, now I don't know how much of this will work its way out other than I'm loving this journey, and it's only been now four weeks since I had this thing happen. But I began to look into this and I realized something that was really, really humbling to me. I said, you know why I think I hurry? Now that I think about it, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with you for a long period of time. I think we get together and I love it and I love the idea of it. But I think after a little while, I think you examine me. And you kind of say, Bill, okay, you're doing okay here, you're doing okay here, you're doing okay, but we need some work over here, we need some work. And it seems like you're always kind of got me under a microscope. And God said, it was for love that I set you free, Bill. I washed those things totally clear, clean, never to bring them up again. I want to be with you because I love you. And I said at that moment, I said, I will never run from you again. And for this four weeks, you would not believe the delays. They have been off the charts. And I can tell you, anybody that knows me, my wife isn't here today, I've tried to stop this for 40-some years she's known me with no victory, none. Maybe for half a day, I've had more delays in the last four weeks than I can ever imagine, and I have absolutely embraced yellow lights. I stop for the yellow light. I see a train coming, and I'm saying, good, let's hang. Two more minutes I get to be with you before this passes. Is this what you've been wanting all along? And he said, yes. I raised Lazarus from the dead to show you 
the resurrected life that I would come and I would be resurrected myself. I would resurrect and give the Holy Spirit into your dead life to resurrect for this one purpose, that you would experience eternal life, which is to know me. I want you to think of that. I'm still looking forward to this journey. I can say this. I'm not just sitting here saying, wow, have I just really, really grabbed hold of the love of God. I'd say, no, but I'm going nowhere. I'm not running. And I have seen the fire of God in my veins in times where I have enjoyed those delays. And I said, I'm going to embrace every delay as a reminder, you died that we might know each other. Would you pray with me? Father, I realize right now that there's no way of sharing what you laid on my heart. And I know that the words are so insufficient that I don't think they can even come close to the weight of what you're wanting us to understand. I pray that these people, including myself, would not get lost in the miracles themselves. But we would let the miracles do what they were designed to do to help us believe that not only you came forth from the Father, but you and the Father are one. And for the purpose of giving us eternal life, and that is to know God and his only true Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for that work. Let us not run anywhere. Amen.